0: All right. Well, like I said, we uh, we started a new series last week. We called "Endued with Power" on the gifts of the Spirit for the first part, and we kind of had an intro last week. But just getting into the infilling of the the Holy Spirit, because that is the gateway to the supernatural, and in this age in which we live, uh, that that is the the conduit, the way that we enter into these other gifts. So we're spending some time on that, and then we'll go forward. But let's read, uh, as we get into this, Luke 24, verse 44. You don't have to turn there. Um, We'll just read this, put it on the screen. This is Jesus. And he said, Then he said to them, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. And he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the Scriptures. Then he said to them, Thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sin should be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, But tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. Verse 49 says, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. That's the Holy Spirit. But tarry, or wait, in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. So he didn't tell him to go out, even though he is uh, resurrected. They are Christians. They believe on him. But they, he says, you go to Jerusalem until you're endued with power from on high. He said, wait, don't go start telling everybody, wait until you're endued with power. Uh, Mark 16, verse 14, you put that up quick. Mark 16, verse 14. It says later he appeared to the eleven as they sat at the table and he rebuked the unbelief and hardness of heart because they did not believe those who had seen him after he had risen and he said to them go into all all the world and preach the gospel to every creature he who believes and is baptized will be saved but he who does not believe will be condemned these signs will follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons, they will speak with new tongues, and they will take up serpents. If they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. So he said, these, verse 17, these signs will follow those who believe. He didn't say just uh, ministers. He didn't just say you know, a certain segment of, of believers. He said, these signs will follow those who believe. That's both you and me. In my name they will cast out demons, they will speak with new tongues, they will take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. So these things are supposed to be happening in the lives of believers. That's that's what uh, Jesus told us. Notice he said they will speak with new tongues. Believers will. Not just a few. He just said believers will. Um. I think we'll, well, let's just read this, 1 Corinthians 12, verse uh, 1. We're not really getting into this part tonight. I want to spend time on on the infilling of the Holy Spirit. But 1 Corinthians 12, verse 1, uh, this is talking about spiritual gifts. And so, this is one of the reasons we're teaching on this. It says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. What does ignorant mean? It means you just don't know. It doesn't mean you're stupid. It just means we don't, you don't know. And he's, he's uh, Paul is writing to the Corinthians saying, I, now concerning spiritual gifts, I do not want you to be ignorant. He said, you know that you were Gentiles carried away to these dumb idols, however you were led. Therefore I make known to you that one, no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus a curse, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are diversi- or differences of ministries, but the same Lord. Uh, And there are diversities of activities, but is the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit. Now these are all, we're, we're, uh, you know, we just gave an intro last week and we're just kind of flying over. I don't want to spend time here, but this is what we're going to be getting into. And the, the, the infilling of the Holy Spirit is the gateway into these things. But he mentions these, these are each a gift of the Spirit. He said, for to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. And then at the end, uh, later in the the 12th chapter, 1 Corinthians 12, 31 says, But earnestly desire the best gifts. In the, the King James, it says, Covet the best gifts. See, covet has a bad connotation in, in, in today's uh, language. People don't use that word a lot. But if, you, if they do use it, it they, they use it as uh, a negative form, like covet, like desire something evil. Covet just means to earnestly desire. As you can see in uh, the New King James here, it says, earnestly desire the best gifts. So we're supposed to want these. And, and Jesus, or, or, or the, the Holy Spirit through Paul here, said, you desire them. Paul said, don't be ignorant. I don't want you to be ignorant of these things. And so this is why we're teaching on these, uh, these gifts, is because we, we as believers can have these operating in our lives, not just ministers Every believer can have these operating in our lives. We want to be prepared. We want to be knowledgeable. We don't want to be ignorant. And we want to be, uh, have enough knowledge that we can understand when God is trying to use us or, or wanting to use us in these things so that we can flow with them. They're not, they're, don't put them on a pedestal. Don't put them, uh, make them out of reach. They are, well, it, they're as the Spirit wills. You can't control them. In other words, you don't get to operate it. It's as the Spirit wills. But if we'll understand what God is trying to do, then we'll be more conscious that, hey, wait a minute, this is what's going on and flow with it. And you get that's how we see the supernatural miracles outside of these four walls. In here, but also outside where God will use you. There's so many accounts of people... Uh, uh, yielding to these things, and it cuts through. It's supernatural. God's ministering in a supernatural way, and it cuts through a lot of the, the noise that would keep people from knowing God and allows them to come and see that God is actually ministering to them. And so we, we're going to get, that, get into those things a lot more. Tonight, I really want to focus. We started last week, uh, read a few scriptures. We're going to go over a few of these, and then we're going to get into some more examples and acts of being filled with the Holy Spirit, because this is foundation, foundational. Jesus said, you go to Jerusalem and you wait for power. So these things weren't operating in, in this dispensation until they were endued with power. These gifts of the Spirit are all throughout the Bible, except for tongues and interpretations. Those are distinctive to this dispensation we live into. Jesus flowed in all of the gifts of the Spirit, except for those, because uh the, the, the infilling of the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues, was after he was resurrected. But the other seven are all throughout the Bible, and Jesus had all of them operating in his ministry. Uh, he had the Word of Wisdom, he had, and we'll go into what those are now, I'm not going to get into them right now, but the Word of Wisdom, Word of Knowledge, Discerning of Spirits, uh, Working of Miracles, Gift of Faith, Gifts of Healings, and Prophecy were all operating, and, if, and they're all throughout the Bible. But God, there always been the moving of the Holy Spirit, but now the Spirit of God indwells us. Now He comes upon us. Now we're in a different, we're in the church age. And so the, the gateway is the infilling of the Holy Spirit, which is why we're spending some time there to begin with. Jesus said, you wait till you're endued with power. And then they went out. We'll see this right here. Let's look uh, quickly at Mark 16, 19. Mark 16, 19. Right after what we just read at the, uh, Mark 16 through 18, where it said they, uh, believers will speak with new tongues, verse 19 says then, So then after the Lord had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God, and they went out and preached everywhere, the, wor- the Lord working with them and confirming the word through the company and signs. This is how we're supposed to go out and minister the word. Obviously, this, this verse, it says, Jesus just spoke to them, and then they went out and preached everywhere. After, that's obviously after they had waited in Jerusalem, because Jesus told them to wait. But it's, it's telling you what happened later, because this is the last part of Mark. They went out and preached everywhere, but notice they didn't just preach. Yes, we're supposed to share the gospel, but we're supposed to be equipped to do it. It's not supposed to be just, well, just share Jesus. We're supposed to share Jesus. We're also supposed to carry power. And Jesus told the disciples, the initial disciples, you don't go out and start talking until you have power. That is supposed to be the supernatural equipment that gives witness to the Word. And it's, it, they, to, people say, well, these have passed away. If there's ever a day we need the supernatural, it's now. Because people have thought, that's old school, that passed away, that's archaic, that those with misunderstandings, those people were ignorant, you know, uh, people back in the day, and they thought certain things were spirits, but they didn't understand, and they've blown off the supernatural, and they just uh, rationalized everything. If there's ever a day we need to have the supernatural, it's now. That gives backing to what we're saying, saying it's not just us saying it, it's the supernatural power of God giving uh, support to what we're saying, and that's what it says here in verse 20. They went out and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word through the accompanying signs. This is the pattern. Amen. So, let's, let's look quickly at a few verses. I really want to get more into Acts uh, this evening, but let's look at Acts um, 1. Acts 1, verse 4. <clears throat> Acts 1, go ahead and turn there, because you're going to be in Acts for a good, a good bit. Acts 1, verse 4 says, And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem. So notice that, being assembled with them, this is before, this is after he was resurrected, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Skip down to verse 8, but you shall receive power When the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Jesus is the head of the church and he said, You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. See, the Holy Spirit is already in them because they're born again. When you're born again, the Spirit of God comes to be resident in you. Every Christian... Is born that's born again has the spirit of God on the inside of them, but this is a separate experience. We're going to see uh, more uh, evidence of this, but obviously these are the disciples. Jesus is resurrected. They are born again, but this is a separate experience. It's not what. See, some people say, "Well, the Holy Spirit, you get it when you're you get the Holy Spirit when you're saved." Yes, He comes resident in you, but this is a separ- This is an infilling and an endowment of power. He comes upon you. He comes on you in power. And we'll see that it's a separate experience. He is telling them, you wait for it. Uh, verse 8 in the ERV says, But the Holy Spirit will come on you and give you power. You will be my witnesses. You will tell people everywhere about me in Jerusalem in the rest of Judea in Samaria and every part of the world. So verse uh, let's look at Acts one verse 12, just a few verses down. It says, uh, <clears throat> "Then they returned to Jerusalem from the Mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day journey. And when they had entered, they went up into the upper room where they were staying, Peter, James, John, Andrew. Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus, and Simon the zealot, and Judas the son of James. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women, and Mary the mother of Jesus with all his brothers. So all the disciples were there. Notice, it said they all continued in prayer. They're all there, but they are all the ones that believe on Jesus. These are all the ones that are about to receive the infilling of the, of the Holy Spirit. All the disciples, everybody who was somebody, was there. So that means when we read this next verse where they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues, that includes everybody. All the Christians. So there wasn't, see today, there's denominational boundaries and people believe different things, but what we ought to believe is the Bible. And what we're reading right now is the Bible. There weren't some of them that just didn't believe in the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Let's let's read Acts 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Then suddenly there came a sound from heaven, as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there, were, there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire. One sat upon each of them, and they were all. Everybody say all. all. So all the disciples, Mary the mother of Jesus, everybody that was anybody, at the the very beginning stages of the early church, they were all filled with other tongues and began, it says, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. There wasn't some that said, you know what, we don't really believe in that, we're going over here. They were all. This is the Bible. This isn't church, creed, or doctrine. This isn't my opinion. This is the Bible. This is the pattern. Amen. Amen. Verse... uh, well, so we'll stop there uh, for our purposes here in this, in this uh, area. So they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the, the Spirit gave them utterance. Notice that the, the evidence that they were, they were filled with the Spirit was that they began to speak with other tongues. And we'll see that more. They, there was something outward that happened. Now let's look at some other examples. We're going to look at the, the examples in the book of Acts. The book of Acts chronicles uh, the, the early church and shows us you know, what they experienced. And so we're going to look at the different examples of being filled with the Holy Spirit in Acts. Acts 8 verse 4, so just go down a few chapters. We're going to be in Acts for a while, so I encourage you, if you haven't already turned to Acts, just turn to Acts and follow along. These will be good to mark in your Bible, even if you don't highlight all of them. Mark them off to the side because you can go through these if you were talking to somebody else about them. It's good to remember what these areas, these um, verses are. We're going to go through every instance of people being filled with the Holy Spirit. We just read one, that was the initial one, because you're going to build church doctrine or teaching off of what the Bible says and how it looked for the early church. We're finding examples of what we believe here. Acts 8, verse 4 says, actually verse 5, Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. Well, if he's preaching Christ to them, that means he's sharing the gospel. That means he's sharing what Jesus did for them. And the multitude with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip. So they listened to him. Hearing and seeing the miracles he did, notice that he spoke Christ to him. But what else followed it? Miracles. They heeded the miracles. That backed up what he was saying. It wasn't just, "Hey, believe me, because this is good news." He he backed it up with miracles. Verse seven: For unclean spirits, crying with a loud voice, came out of many who were possessed, and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. And there was great joy in that city. Well, I guess. People are being set free. People that had ailments in their body were set free. People that were oppressed by demons, which are real, were set free. And so there was great joy in that city. But notice, they heeded. They heeded the the word that was spoken to him, Christ. uh, Verse 12 says, When they believed Philip as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. So they believed Philip. What was Philip preaching? He was preaching Christ. As he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ. He's preaching the gospel to them. Both men and women were baptized. So they received salvation. Now, Go back, go down two verses more. Verse 14 says, Now when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them, who, when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. So now you can clearly see this is a separate experience. You say, why did Peter and John do that? Why didn't uh, Philip just do it? Well, there are individuals this was a, a, you know, and plus, this is the early church. They're just starting out with these things. But one, uh, one aspect is that there are individuals that have certain ministries and anointings. And, for instance, when they pray uh, healing-wise for a certain area, people get healed for a certain ailment all the time. There are people that pray for people to get filled with the Holy Spirit, and they get filled with the Holy Spirit all the time. Other people may don't flow in that ministry as much. Here... Evidently, Peter and John came down. Uh, Philip had spoken to them and preached Christ to them. They received, but now Peter and John came to them. And when they prayed for them, they received the Holy Spirit. So they they must have had a a greater anointing. Plus, it's the early church. They're starting out. They're getting to know these things. But you can clearly see. we, We read that they received Christ. They were born again. And what else can that mean? They believed what what, um, Philip said to them. But then Peter and John came, and it says, verse 15, "...who, when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit." What the Holy Spirit is just being born again. This doesn't make any sense. And verse 16 says, "...for as yet he had fallen upon none of them." Well, it's the same thing as in the upper room. They were born again. Those were all the disciples. But then the Holy Spirit fell. And when he fell they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues. It's a separate experience. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Verse 16, For yet, as yet He had fallen upon none of them, they had only been baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid hands on them. Notice that. And they received the Holy Spirit. And when Simon saw... Now, so... Verse 17, it says, when they had laid hands on them. Notice that, that's one way to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. but it's not the only way. Notice the, the initial, um, the, the disciples in the upper room, nobody laid hands on them. Here, they laid hands on them. So it's scriptural to lay hands on people to receive the Holy Spirit. It's Not the only way, but it's scriptural. And they received the Holy Spirit. Verse 18, and when Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands the Holy Spirit was given, he offered them money, saying, Give me this power also, that anyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. So verse 18, here's a question. When Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands the Holy Spirit was giving, what did he see? If it was just, oh, you received the Holy Spirit, but there's no outward evidence, what did Simon see? He had to see something. Well, it's not a stretch, and we're going to see other scriptures. It's totally logical that what he saw was them speaking in other tongues. Now, it doesn't say here that they spoke with other tongues, but by extension, and we're going to look at the other, um, the other uh, accounts as well, in the, other, in the upper room, they spoke with other tongues. Here, it doesn't say they spoke with other tongues, but right away, Simon saw something. It's totally logical that that was the same thing. It was the same evidence. So here we have that they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Something outward was manifest, so much so that this guy's saying, hey, I want that power too, can I buy it? And then they rebuked him, and that's, that's uh, another part of the story there. Acts 9, verse 10. Go down to Acts 9, verse 10. We're looking at the five accounts here in Acts of uh, being filled with the Holy Spirit. So we can be on solid scriptural basis. We can see what the the early church did and, and what's our Bible basis for these things. Acts 9 verse 10. Now this is Saul who would become Paul. You know, he he, uh, saw Jesus on the way to the road of Damascus and was blinded, and so he's blind, and he goes uh, in verse 10. It says, Now there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias, and to him the Lord said in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Here I am, Lord. So the Lord said to him, Arise and go to the street called Straight, And inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. So Saul, who's going to become Paul, Saul is waiting at this man's house, and the Lord, this this are the gifts of the Spirit, potentially, he he had a, a vision, so he heard the Lord speaking to him and he telling him, Arise and go to the, 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 the street called Straight and inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he is praying. And in a vision he has seen a man named Ananias come in and putting his hand on him so that he might receive his sight. So Saul had a vision and saw Ananias coming to him and laying his hands on him. Ananias saw a vision saying, go. To where Saul is. That's supernatural on both ends. They don't know each other. Ananias had heard of this, this guy. And he had said earlier, he's like, I don't want to go touch. This guy has been, you know, killing people. And the Lord told him, no, go and do this. Verse 17, And Ananias went his way and entered the house, and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul. Called him brother. Notice that? Saul already saw... Jesus on the way to Damascus. And he said, Lord. And he bowed his knee to Jesus right now. Here, Ananias is calling him brother. Well, you don't just call anybody brother. He's calling him brother because he's born again. He said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you came, has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. So here you have Saul... Who would be uh, who would be the Apostle Paul? Who is the Apostle Paul? But had his name was renamed and wrote a good portion of the New Testament. Here he has hands laid on him to receive a sight, which he did, and to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now here it does not say that he um, spoke with tongues. It does say, look at, he had hands laid on him again. That's one way to receive the Holy Spirit. It does not say that he started speaking in tongues. But in 1 Corinthians 14, 18, which Paul wrote, he said, I thank my God I speak with tongues more than you all. And he's talking to the Corinthians church. The Corinthian church. So he said, He's the one that taught on the gifts of the Spirit. He's the one that said in different places, if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays. And he taught on this. And then he said, I speak with tongues more than you all. So it's not a stretch in line with the other accounts that he was filled with the Spirit when he had hands laid on him and the evidence of him being filled with the Spirit was speaking in tongues. We know he spoke with tongues because he said, I speak with tongues more than you all. So it's totally logical that this is the point he spoke with tongues. When did he? When else was it? That's not a stretch. So we have another account where we, there was hands laid on, which is just at one way. But we see that it is inferred because of later writings that Saul obviously spoke with tongues, and then, so this is the point where he started to speak with tongues. Now let's go to Acts ten, verse forty-four. <clears throat> Acts ten verse forty four. So while Peter was still speaking these words, okay, so this is account um, of Cornelius, where Cornelius was a good man. He was uh, not a Christian yet, but he was a good man. He prayed to God, and God met him where he was. You ever ask, well, how does somebody, and I want to get into this, but, you know, how would somebody uh, get born again just halfway across the world? What if somebody doesn't preach to them? We need to go preach. But their uh, acting on what God has already revealed to them has something to do with it, too. In other words, the Bible says in Romans that the Godhead is revealed to everyone. It's, a, it's apparent to all creation. His creation reveals that there is a God. And if people will, will worship Him as God there, even though they may be ignorant of some things, God, that gives God access to make sure that they get the gospel preached to them. Cornelius did not know about Jesus, but he saw a vision about Peter coming that he was supposed to go to this man's house Peter and Peter then saw a vision that he was supposed to receive Cornelius and go with him so now he is at Cornelius's house and he was and he's preaching Jesus he's preaching the gospel and so here verse 44 he's Cornelius gathered his whole household and they're all listening to what Peter has to say. So he's preaching the gospel. Verse 44, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. And those of the circumcision, that means the Jewish people, who believed were astonished. So you got to remember, this is the early church. They, the, the church in general, they, the, before this time, everyone in the church was Jewish. Period. And when... That's why, if you go read earlier in Acts 10, that when, uh, when God came to him in a vision, came to Peter in a vision, and told him about eating something that was unclean, he was like, no, no, I don't eat anything unclean. And he had to get it across to him that what I've called clean, what I've cleansed is not unclean anymore because this was new. Today, we say, well, how could you think that? This was the early church. To them... They, they didn't understand that it was for all the Gentiles. Then they saw it was for the Gentiles, but at this point, they're thinking, this is just for Jewish people. And God is making it clear that, no, it's for everybody. And so Peter went with them, and he preached to these Gentiles, these people. And so, the, the, verse 45, And so those of the circumcision who believed were astonished. So they're surprised. They're like, what? This is for non-Jewish people, too? yes. As many as came with Peter, so the people that came with him were astonished, because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. So let's go through this account again. Peter is preaching to these Gentiles. He's preaching the gospel. They evidently were believing it. And while they were listening to it, then the Holy Spirit fell on them. Now notice, in this case, nobody laid hands on them. And it can happen like this. Boom, boom. They believed they believed what he was saying about Jesus, and just that quick, the Holy Spirit baptized them. In, in, um, they were baptized in, in the Holy Spirit, and they started to speak with tongues. We see that it says that. They, spe- they spoke with tongues. And so they're saying that the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles and they saw something. It was the evidence of this happening. So it doesn't have to be a long time between the two, being born again and being filled. It can go boom, boom. It could be almost, looks like it's almost simultaneous. But we see other times where they are born again, but they didn't receive right away, and then they received, and then you saw evidence. So they're, they're different experiences. That doesn't mean. The best way is for somebody to be born again, and then to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Why wait? See, we don't have to wait. Just because you saw some waiting, just because Jesus told them to wait initially, just because you saw some waiting with Peter and John coming down, this is the very baby steps of the church. We, we don't need to go back and emulate that. See, see some people um, in Pentecostal uh, denominations ha- got the idea that we need to tarry for the Holy Ghost. Wait, because the early church tarried. Well, he told them, you go tarry, you wait until I pour it out, but now there's no, way, there's no sense to tarry. And so they would wait and they'd go to the altar and they'd wait and they'd try to get filled and they just basically, basically beg God and make it a big hard thing. It's not a hard thing. And we'll see that. You ask God to fill you and he'll fill you. You believe, you start to speak in tongues, you, you just do it by faith. There's something that'll come up that's not English in you and you just dive into the pool and speak it out and there you go. God, it, I've seen it happen so many times, it's the easiest thing you've ever done in, in your life. Acts 19 verse 1. Acts 19, verse 1. The final example in Acts of being filled with the Spirit. Acts 19, verse 1 says, And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus, and finding some disciples... He said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they said to him, We have not so much heard as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. There's a lot of the church world that's in that same boat. As far as the Spirit of God, the things we're saying, have not heard about it, have not been taught about it. As far as they're concerned, it doesn't exist, but it's in the Bible. We're reading the Bible right right now, right? Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they said to him, We have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. Verse 3 And he said to them, Into what you were you baptized? They said, Into John's baptism, which is a baptism of repentance. Then Paul said, John indeed baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying that to people that they should believe on him who would come after him, that is on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul laid his hands on him. So now we see another example of, hand, of hands being laid on them. But that doesn't happen in every instance, but it's certainly biblical. This is the third time we've seen it. When Paul laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Now the men were about twelve in all. So we see this happening here. Paul laid hands on on them. The Holy Spirit came upon them. This is exactly what happens. The Spirit of God comes on the individuals. Now, they don't have to receive. The Holy Spirit is never going to force you to do anything. He comes upon you. There'll be an unction. There'll be uh, a prompting, but you don't have to yield to, them. And, uh, yield to Him. And this is where people get confused. If they, if they uh, have been misinformed, they'll think somehow they're just going to start speaking on their own. Well, if it's God, He'll make my mouth move. He will never do that. He doesn't force you to do anything. Doesn't force you to get saved. Doesn't force you. Satan tries to get people and force them to do things, but God will not. He will. He, he will. He will prompt you. He'll, he'll. nudge. He'll urge. But you have to yield to them. What, yield to him. What does that mean? What does yield mean? We know what it means when you're getting on the on ramp to the interstate. What does yield mean? It. It, it means. If somebody else is going toward your lane or wherever the yield sign is, that means you back off and let them go. You're in the wrong. if If you have a yield sign and you try to push forward, then you're wrong. Well, yield means back off and let them go. When we say yield to the Holy Spirit, He's wanting for us to move forward and He'll come upon somebody, but you can reject Him. You can push on and say, no, I'm not going to. But you can also back up and say, okay, have your way, and you yield to what what he's doing on the inside. It's as easy as that. Now, we've seen five examples in in Acts. In three of them, hands were laid on the people to receive the Holy Spirit. In two of them, it just fell on them. In three of these, uh, it specifically says that they spoke with tongues right at that point, when they received. In two of them, it's implied. In Simon, when Simon, he saw something, and then Paul, it doesn't say he spoke with tongues, but we know he spoke with tongues more than anybody. So, it's, it's completely logical to say that, they're, that speaking in tongues accompanies being filled with the Holy Spirit. Because in every case, it was implied, or it was, it was uh, outright stated. That, we, that they spoke in tongues. Now, laying on of hands is just one method, one way you can receive. It's not the only way, but it's certainly biblical. Three of the five t- uh, uh, accounts in the book of Acts, had, they had hands laid on them. Now, I want to read you Luke uh, ten, eleven, verse 10. And then we're going to, if you haven't, I'm gonna, you know, I don't know if everybody's received the, the uh, baptism of the Holy Spirit. If you'd like to receive that tonight, this is the perfect time. The Word has gone forth. You, you, you're, there's faith in your heart, and it's the easiest thing you would ever do. There's not pressure on anybody, but this is an opportunity because we're going to be teaching on more of the gifts of the Spirit. And so you want to go through these things we're going to be, be teaching on. This is uh, a gateway, and, th- and this is a great place. So I'm going to... In, in a moment, we're going to finish this up, and then if anybody wants to be filled, if you're not sure, uh, you can come up here and, and um, we'll pray for you, and you will be filled if you yield. It's as easy as that. Uh, Luke 11, verse 10 says, For everyone who asks, receives. This is Jesus speaking. Everyone who asks, receives, and he who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. If a son asks for bread... From any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? So he's just asking a natural question. He said, If a son asks bread from a father among you, will the father give the son a stone? Obvious answer is no. Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? No. If he asks for an egg, will he give him a scorpion? No. He said, if you then being evil or natural, if you're natural, if you're a a human, if you being natural, how, and you know how to give good gifts to your children, so you know how to give the right thing, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? So Jesus is saying, if you ask, you'll receive that easy. He said, he's not gonna, you're not going to get something else. You're not going to get a wrong spirit. You're not going to get the wrong thing. If you ask God to fill you with the Holy Spirit, you will receive the Holy Spirit, period. That easy. That's all there is to it. Amen.